There's a moment in your bones when, when the fire takes over. Blood is running, heart is pumping as the battle gets closer. They can say what they want now. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Game. Right here on ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 mobile app. Greg Larnard here in for Steve Peliquin. Host of the Word with G. You can hear me every weekday morning, Monday through Friday. Yes, that is the weekday. 3 to 6 o'clock in the afternoon. But Stevie P is off this week. He's having a nice elongated Thanksgiving holiday week off and uh, much deserved. Very hardworking man. Love when I get an opportunity to to fill in and talk to you a little bit in the morning time. And we are going to kick things off this morning by talking a little NBA free agency. And we're going to do so with one of my favorite NBA guys to get an opportunity to talk to on a weekly basis. He comes on my show usually every Wednesday 5 to 6 o'clock in the evening time. He is the host of the NBA Pick and Pop podcast. It is a conversation that I had with my guy Sam Dusenberry Jr. from yesterday on The Word with G. Take a listen and enjoy. One of the smartest guys and friendliest guys that I know and a damn good photographer, I will say that. I've uh, had a couple of pictures come up on Instagram that he took for me uh, years back when we were both living in the city of New York. Sam Dusenberry Jr., host of the NBA Pick and Pop Podcast, is our host. What's up, Sam? Man, the, the intros for me keep getting better and better every week, so I guess I got to keep coming on every single week. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, you know, I, I do wish we had a real studio for the, the indoor shots, that that was one where I was like, man, I mean, if people knew what we had to work with <laughs> to get those first set of shots to get them to where they look now uh, is, is amazing. But, uh, yeah, the outdoor shots, we really, I think we really took some really beautiful shots. I mean, outside of the, of the model, of course, just in terms of, you know, the scenery and things like that. I don't have to do that much when when, when the model is, is yourself. But in terms of having the right scenery to go with the look and stuff like that, I think we really did do, do some good work together. We did. We did. And uh, it was, uh, dude, that graffiti park that we went to was was pretty dope. For sure. Love that spot. Still there. It's, it's one of the few graffiti spots that hasn't been whitewashed. Uh, there was a famous one in Queens. There was even a documentary about it, Five Points, yeah. uh, where, you know, that was like a infamous like spot to get some real good photo shoots at. And some um, some corporate person bought up the spot and painted all the walls. And uh, the graffiti community tried to come together and... Uh, take that person to court to say you're, you're you're destroying artwork. It's not like people are just tagging a wall. It's like yeah. actual murals and things of that nature. And they got shut down. So the, the system, they fought the law and the law still won. But uh, yeah, that, that, that spot in Manhattan is, is very rare. And I'm hoping that remains for the very, uh, for the very long future, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully so. And uh, before we move on from this, there was, I don't remember if you remember saying this to me, and I might be calling you out on the air right here for your actually, no, I'm not calling you out at all. I thought this was great direction by you when when you were like trying to get me to do a certain pose as a photographer 
you were kind of like, all right, give me that look where you're like in a in a club and you and you see a girl from across the way and you're like, yeah, it's it's about to go down. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because you know I, I, that that's something where I don't think, and it's something that I had to I have to do do that with guys. Guys don't know how their faces look. Yeah. So oh, the girls take selfies out, okay. all over all over the place, Correct. so they already know. Correct. So so women know right away. Oh yes, I know which look to give you. Whatever, whatever. Dude, you kind of have to coax it out of them, and you have to kind of do it in a way where it's not too bossy. Or whatever. So I try to make it as conversational because you want someone to be loose, comfortable, you know, in their element taking photos. Because that's what's truly coming out in the photos is someone's emotions. Yeah. So you want something to emote. We all know how to just stand there and cheese. We've been doing it since we were babies. We all know how to stand there and look half serious, you know, but that's the stoic stuff or whatever. But everything else, all the different emotions, that's where I think the photos can really pop if you nail it. Pick and pop, if you will. There you go. Hey, little shameless plug in there for you. All right, <laughs> love it. Same dudes, three ninety nine. That's right. Same dudes, very junior our guest here on the program. Again, host of the Pick and Pop podcast. Uh, all right, so let's let's start with the New Orleans Pelicans. And since we last spoke, Sam, last week, along with Elliot Clough, it, things have kind of shifted, and um, the trade for Drew Holiday has changed up a little bit. And how the way that it was reworked and some new pieces in the mix. So the final trade that went down between Milwaukee, New Orleans, and a couple of other teams was Milwaukee gets Drew Holiday. They also get the number 60th pick in Sam Merrill. And then New Orleans receives Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the 2025-2027 first-round picks, and then 2024-2026 swaps via Milwaukee. OKC gets George Hill, Josh Gray, Kendrick Williams, Zion Cheatham, Darius Miller, the 2025 23 protected first rounder via Denver, two second rounder picks, and Denver gets RJ Hampton. What do you make? I know it's a mouthful, but what do you make of this completed, finalized deal compared to what we first heard for the for the Pelicans? Well, it certainly makes sense, right? And I think that was something, you know, me, you and Elliot were trying to figure out on the air. It's like, well, there's too many guards. So that means there has to be another deal coming. One of these guards got to go. If not, two of these guards got to yeah. go. And, uh, you know, now we see with George Hill being moved on. It's like, okay, now that makes sense. And getting, you know, Steve Adams to me, Steven Adams to me is obviously the key here. Because me and you have been talking about it, you know, for as long as I've been on your show. They lack size. And they lack the true big. You know, they, they had Miritich, your boy. You know, they've had Derek Favors, who's the oldest 30-year-old ever. You know, they've had a bunch of – it's been like a revolving door of placeholders at that five position. And, you know, I, I said it on the podcast. I'm just like, you know, now this puts to bed the Zion's going to play the five stuff. I never believed it. I don't think he's a five. I don't think he should ever be put in that position, even if you're playing small. He should just never play. He's six six. This isn't the Rockets. This isn't P.J. Tucker. Okay, he's six six. He should not be playing the five in any capacity whatsoever. So now you have a legit big. Now, granted, it could only be a one year rental, so that will remain. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, in terms of the cap, the hell should have some 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 equity there. But if this is a one year rental, I kind of like it. Even Sam, can you can you still hear me, Sam? They want to win. They're not having Stan come in, and it's kind of a transition. You're like, no. 
the pieces are kind of sort of here already. There's not that much tinkering left to do. Now we've got a big. It now sounds... we have a upgrade of some sort. It almost sounds like he, he was on the Wi-Fi and it got uh, and it got cut off there uh, for a second. Maybe he was on the headphones, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll try to get Sam back. Yeah, talking about the the Sam uh, the Stephen Adams trade, and uh, we'll get we'll get Sam back up there. We'll take your phone calls um, uh, when when we get him back up there. And um, yeah, talking about Stephen Adams, it's nice to have a big, and it's not like they haven't had a big for a while. I mean. They had Anthony Davis. They also had Boogie Cousins, who was in the mix as well. And 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 those guys were both big. I mean, we're talking Twin Towers there with those two guys. And it was great to have both those guys. And the rim protection was awesome when they had both of those guys, specifically Anthony Davis. All right, we got Sam Dusenberry Jr. back. Sam, I don't, I don't know what happened, but it sounded like you were like on a Bluetooth and then it cut off. And so it was like you were talking like way far away from the phone. Wait, there, it's there to he is. Turn itself on. Wait, could say that again. Um, I, I turned your 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 pot off for, by by accident. I was saying that uh, it, it, I think my Bluetooth speaker heard me talking and somehow <laughs> activated itself <laughs> and plugged in the phone. So that's good to know. Um, but sorry, sorry about that. That's all good. Uh, but yeah, it happens. Just, just to make it you know short, I think having the big, having the size is something me and you have talked about a lot. And having Stephen Adams, even if it's a one year rental. To me, it makes a lot of sense because it's a win-now team. This isn't a transitional period. You have pieces in place. Assuming they bring back Young Reaper, they have enough scoring. Bledsoe will give you a little bit of scoring. We're, we're assuming Lonzo will continue to mature, dot, 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 if healthy. And, you know, I think Zion takes another step. Zion, again, dot, 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 if healthy, dot, 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 if not overweight, takes another step. <laughs> So Stan Van's coming in with David Griffin, and they're trying to win and win right away. And I think right now, as constituted on paper, you're about a five to seven seed, and I think that's around. You know, that's pretty strong in the Western Conference. Yeah. Again, Sam Dusenberry Jr. is our guest here on the program, and yeah, that uh, it's. I mean, the Western Conference is absolutely loaded. So from you saying five to seven, that uh, to me, that's a lot of confidence in in a, in a team that it hasn't won before together, and uh, for them to kind of come together as quickly as they they're going to need to, and to win this year, you think they have the the pieces now around them that they have that they need to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, outside of the fact that they were in the mix for it last year, you know, and I think with certain teams taking a step back. You know, the Warriors, is that a guaranteed playoff team? Not now. I can't guarantee that. Uh, the Rockets, with their, you know, alleged turnover to roster, even though no one significant has been moved yet, and they're added pieces, as you mentioned to me off the air. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. I don't know how Steven Salas is going to move with that team. So I can't guarantee that Houston's guaranteed to be a playoff team. So there's some fluctuation there. So I think, you know, the Pels should be in that same mix. They should not be in the playing tournament. If they are, I'm going to assume that's injury-based and not playing-based. And we'll get to your phone calls in just a second. If you want to jump in, 337-269-1077. Again, 337-269-1077. Sam Dusenberry Jr., again, our guest talking NBA. Before we do get to the phone lines, uh, let me ask you about Kyra Lewis Jr., who they drafted 
Uh, how do you think he fits in as a young guard there from Alabama? Speed. Speed, speed, speed. And I think when you look at him, Drew Holiday was great at pushing the pace and know, or excuse me, knowing when to push the pace. He wasn't necessarily a transition guard, but he knew when to press the pace and then he knew when to slow it up and wait for the action. And Kira Lewis can do a lot of that. Uh, the shooting, in my opinion, needs a little bit of, well, not a lot of work. Uh, but I think that's not what you're drafting him for. I think you're drafting him for a playmaking ability. You know, he has decent size at 6'3", kind of fits in that combo tweener guard type thing. So I think he's a guy where Stan Van's not known for playing rookies, but I think the NBA is very different from when Stan Van last coached and, like, really coached, not that GM nonsense he was doing in uh, Detroit. So I think he'll be more adept to putting Kira in there and letting him get some run because, quite frankly, I mean, would you want to kill Alexander Walker on the court or you want to see what Kira Lewis is going to bring? I mean, to me, I'd rather put Kira Lewis out there, even though Nikhil Alexander-Walker has done a few a few decent things, but you, you drafted Kira Lewis that high as a lottery pick for a reason. So I would want to see that more so than what you may already know you have in Nikhil Alexander-Walker. All right, we'll see what uh, what shakes out with there. Do you do you think there's any comparison to uh, De'Aaron Fox? I know um, Elliot Clough had made, made the comparison of potentially De'Aaron Fox. It seems like they match up sort of height wise and weight wise. Sure. I know De'Aaron's a little you know a little you know stronger at this point because he's a little bit older, but both are very speedy guards. Yeah, I mean yes on paper, right? But in terms of playing ability. De'Aaron is more in that John Wall mold, uh, that young D. Rose mold. I just don't see Kira being that aggressive with the Rock. I mean, he could develop into that. Maybe, you know, in Alabama, maybe the system didn't allow him to go off like that. So maybe in the league, he'll be unleashed to a certain extent. But Mm -hmm. I don't see that type of scoring ability from him. I'm still working on the NBA comp for him because he's, he's a lot of the different dudes. It's not like a pure... Oh, he's just a bootleg or a clone of that. At least not to me. I, I can understand what Elliot is saying, mm-hmm. but from my point of view, watching him and seeing other guards, I just don't see that direct comparison to the Aaron. Yeah, Elliot also had mentioned that if if he had the name Kentucky across his chest from people that he's talked to, that uh, that maybe he would have gone a little bit higher rather than the you know the non basketball powerhouse that is Alabama. Uh, well, look, I mean, he had chances. I mean, he was known. Like, that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want it to become a thing where Kira Lewis came out of nowhere. Like, this this is a kid that uh, people in know have been watching for a while. So I, I don't want it to get to be misconstrued like that. But, you know, yes, if anyone goes to Kentucky, you know, it's <laughs> going to be, you know, so he's, they, that, that person's going to be on, on the radar. I mean, he dropped 19-5. and five. And it was SEC all first team. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, he was um, not highly regarded. So, and then he in the lottery. So, I mean, you know, there's only certain, there's only so much you can do with stuff like that. But, yes, I, I think Kira probably would have went a little higher, but I don't think he would have been like, he would have been a top five pick or anything like that. I don't see that type of ability. He doesn't jump off the, the court like that. But, uh, no, for sure, maybe a couple spots higher, maybe. Sam Dusenberry Jr., our guest here on the program here Today, here on ESPN 1420, let's go to the phone lines now. 337-269-1077. Welcome in. What's up? Um, 
Hey, you know what I found funny? Um, gee, I, you know, I, I go back to your Friday show. When people laughed at uh, Gordon Hayward for opting out, like, oh, he's making what we was set to make what thirty nine million or 34. something like that. Thirty four. Okay. Um, people laughed at that. I'm thinking to myself, okay, so he went from thirty four. It's all about guarantee. He can, yeah, opt out so he can get a larger contract, especially uh, during this whole situation with COVID. And that's what that's what took place. He got him another contract, one hundred twenty million dollars. I, I don't. Uh, I think we look at the average per year, but the reality is he's getting 120. You know, uh, if and he has some nagging injuries, and I guess he won't. He won't. He won't play in time. He's not gonna. You know, that team, that, that Boston team, was kind of set. You know, once once he got hurt that year, he got hurt, and they kind of went strong. You know, he was basically um, a liability, especially that team with Kyrie. Now Kyrie moved on, of course, but um, I. I thought it was a good move by him. You know, I know some people saying it's trash, this and that. I, I guess, you know, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> but what's your take on that, on him opting out and basically uh, winning, in a sense? Uh, well, I, I think you hit on it. You know, it's, it's a thing where he's been played by injuries and diminishing playing time, and all it takes is one owner. All it takes is one GM MJ. that thinks you, you can be the answer. Right. So – you know, why take the chance of having that 34, having another subpar year or injury plague year and not be able to get anything on the open market next offseason than opting out now and seeing if you can find a sucker. And every year there's always a sucker. And sadly for the Hornets in the Charlotte uh, area, MJ's been a sucker a few times. So, you know, he goes and cashes out and gets 30 per for the next four years where he was literally only guaranteed that 34 for this upcoming year. So I guess it's a smart move for, for the bank. And I don't think he's going to be that bad in Charlotte. I actually think it's a relatively good fit in Charlotte. People want to laugh at the numbers, but NBA is funny money. There's, you know, Myers Leonard's getting 10 million a year. So I do think Gordon Hayward is three times better than Myers Leonard. So if Myers Leonard's getting 10 a year, if I'm Gordon Hayward, you're damn right I'm asking for 30. Heck yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I, uh, I know you must love the pick there because I know how much you liked uh, LaMelo Jello Ball and uh, going there. What would he go at number three to uh, to, to Charlotte? The best player in the draft. I, I, will, yeah. I will stake my reputation on that. Uh, Weissman is a very close second. But I think being able to sit at three, not having to trade up, not having to give up any assets, to just sit there and have LaMelo uh, chilling right there waiting for you at the three spot, you know, despite LaVar's antics and despite, you know, the trash sneakers that most people never got, even though they paid for them, we always knew, well, at least the ones that paid attention and stopped listening to what LaVar was saying, but just paying attention to how his kids were playing, it was very apparent very quickly that LaMelo was projected to be the best of the bunch. You know, LiAngelo, not so much. Lonzo had the pro body, and he went to UCLA, so you kind of saw the track he was on. LiAngelo, not so much. But LaMelo, you kept seeing him. You know, he's out here playing as a 15-year-old and dropping 40 and 50 points on high schoolers, on seniors, on, you know, college-level players. That's all I needed to see. (laughs) If you're doing that at 14, 15, if you're giving, you know, 19-year-olds 50 and 40 in high school, yeah, I'm going to follow your trajectory, and he's lived up to it. So, yeah, I think even though MJ can't help but get in his own way, I think even he couldn't mess this up. Because getting LaMelo, 
And I think, you know, Gordon Hayward can be productive and he's going to have the minutes to try to show and prove. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how it works out there in Charlotte. Uh, should at least be a nice little buzz, if you will, so to speak. There you go. Buzz hey. City. Yeah, that's right. Uh, around the Hornets uh, this season at the very least. Now, before we take a break, because I want to uh, I want to talk about some of the moves that you like and dislike from this free agency so far, but I wanted to ask you about Anthony Edwards and where you projected him. Would you have thought he would be the third best player in this draft, or did the comments that he make pre-draft kind of deter you and, and should have deterred anybody from, you know, not want to say anybody taking him, but at least him going number one overall? Uh, well, I mean, he's been kind of saying comments like that the entire time. Um, it was funny how that stuff like really blew up on draft day because it made it seem like, well, oh, well, maybe he doesn't want to go to Minnesota because he's saying he doesn't like basketball. He he loves football. Uh, but to me, he was a top five, top seven kind of guy. Look, I, I know people that I trust who were like enamored with him. I just didn't see what they were seeing. They were trying to tell me what like I'm supposed to be seeing. And I'm like, eh, I'm not saying he's Anthony Bennett. I'm just saying in terms of the, the, the ability on the court, I saw a lot of Anthony Bennett. Now I would like to think he's better than Anthony Bennett was well, certainly a hope so for, for Minnesota's sake, but I just didn't see that guy that jumps off the page and is going to be a dominant. Like, you take someone number one, you want franchise player, franchise-altering player. Now, that could be good or bad. It could be franchise-altering good or bad. In this case, I'm not really sure what side Anthony Edwards is going to fall on if you're the Timberwolves. But everyone seems to be enamored with him and love him and think he had he can jump out the gym but I watched that combine that ESPN put on G that 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 Rich Paul hooked up I didn't see someone who's that athletic I didn't see someone that has this freakish ability that some people were telling me there's a lot of LJ in him I and and you learned during the pandemic how much I loved those those 90s rebels and LJ in particular I know what LJ was back in the day yeah I did not see no such thing in Anthony Edwards. Oof. So we will see what happens with these uh, some of these young rookies and with a team that's already sort of aloof uh, in the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that uh, Jimmy Butler kind of rejected. It'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, when it comes to him in Minnesota. Sam Dusenberry Jr. again, host of the NBA Pick and Pop podcast with us here on the program. Today, we will step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to Sam about the moves that he's liked that have been made thus far in this NBA free agency period up until this point. We'll do that when we come back. We'll also talk to him about his least favorite move as well when we come back here on the program on ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 mobile app. No 
Welcome back right here on ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 mobile app. Greg Lawnard here. You there? Rejoining us now, Sam Dusenberry Jr., the host of the NBA Pick and Pop podcast. Sam, what? I know we talked a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks, but uh, give me some of the other moves that you're a big fan of uh, with this NBA free agency that's kicked off last Friday. Well, <clears throat> I think me and you spoke about this player. I, I love the appeal of what Gallinari could bring to a team, and I think putting him with uh, Trey Young will be magic. Uh, but outside of that, I got to go to the Lake Show. I love what they have done. Wes Matthews uh, is a great shooter. Dennis Schroeder is a great combo guard to bring in there. He's a point guard who can score as well. I like what they did there. You know, the rich got richer in a certain essence. You know, gee, I don't think any team has really, like, splashed that was trash that now you're expecting them to be really good. Well, what about you know, the Suns? I, like with, I mean, they brought in Jay Crowder, too. I mean, boss man 99. I don't think they were trash. I didn't view them as trash. You know, I, <laughs> But I, they're no a team that didn't make the playoffs, I guess. Sure, sure. If, if, if you want to go there with that, mm-hmm. bringing in the point fraud, we, we know what he could do in terms of ability. He'll be great. Bringing in boss man, he'll bring down some defensive moxie there. So I'm not necessarily mad at that. But yeah, I think a lot of good teams made really solid moves. There haven't been too many just outright, what are you doing? Besides, I guess if you want to ride the whole Gordon Hayward to Charlotte thing. Uh, but outside of that, I don't see any too I don't see too many head scratching moves by good teams. Not just not to say that there's not any bad moves, but I haven't seen any really good teams make horrible moves. I mean, the Clipper thing with Serge Ibaka, I, I can see why they think it's an upgrade, but I don't really know if that really is. So you can question that, but I wouldn't call that a bad move. But it's just, you know, I think a lot of good teams made solid moves so far. How about uh, Carmelo Anthony? I, I heard he's staying in Portland. Yeah, he's staying in Portland. And, you know, he'll probably come off the bench because they went and got Ooh, who did they go pick up? They picked up a three that might get the start over him. I don't. Was it Derrick Jones Jr.? No, it wasn't Derrick Jones Jr. They uh, they, they got Derrick Jones Jr. They got also oh, was Derrick Jones. Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derrick Jones Jr. Him and Melo might split some time there. I think they also brought back Rodney, Rodney Hood, Hood. They did. Yep. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So you know they they have a lot of wings over there in Portland. But if they're healthy, look Portland. I mean, the Portland was in the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago, and I know they were in the playing thing, and they made the AFC last year. But that's not that what that team wasn't healthy. Um, so if you if you bring back Zach Collins, you have Nurkic, you have McCollum and Dame, so you have the the core of that team intact. I don't know if they bring back Whiteside. I doubt it. But you know, you have the core of that team intact, and you bring back Melo, who kind of re reemerged or you know, reintroduce himself to the, to the masses. I like Portland. All right, let's go to the phone lines now. 337-269-1077. I believe it's Ronnie that's with us. What's up, man? 
Yo, Sam. Yo. Yeah, you um, you like the um. The only thing I don't like about what we did the last couple of days was uh, I like him as a player, but I think he's kind of old now. And um, Gasol, I think Gasol. Um, you know, I mean, we might kind of take a little step back on defense. I believe losing Howard and McGee. I think that's going to be a big loss losing both of them. I thought we would lose one, but, you know, we right. lost both of them. So that's going to kind of hurt us a little bit because now it's going to be more Anthony Davis dependent on the defense. Although Kazal can still play a little defense and stuff, he does a little bit of everything. You know, you can shoot it, he passes it out the post and all this other stuff he does and everything. So I kind of like that. But he's kind of stiff right now at this, at this stage of his career, but he still can play. So I, I give him the benefit of the doubt until he showed me he couldn't. He's absolutely done where I go ahead and believe in him a little bit, you know, and Matthews and Schroeder, those are big pickups and stuff, you know, and we got Harold from the Clippers. We ain't going to run plays for him to score, so he's going to bring us points without even us running sets for him and stuff like that. So I kind of like the moves. The only thing I just don't like, I see is Gasol. But I'm waiting to see. I'm going to get on that right now and hammer him. And, oh, we'd be very bad in free agency. I just think we're going to take a step back on defense. So if our defense is like, see, for example, like fourth right now, it might slip to like maybe what seven or eighth, maybe with these additions, maybe. So that's still good. I mean, in eighth out of all these teams, so that's still pretty good. So I'll take it. We'll still be pretty good on defense, and I think we'll be locked down and focused on the. They'll still be a pretty good team, but they're so far so good. I like the moves. You know, I like. I always did love Schroeder, so I was so happy when we got him. You know, but like I said, I didn't expect us to lose the White and McGee. But you know, overall, I think so far so good. Like I see some hang up and listening. Listen to your thoughts about that later. Thanks, Ronnie. Well, there's a lot there. Let's see if we can iron all that out. So, well, the first thing is, like, Dwight was supposed to come back. Yeah, dude, I was uh, going to ask you about that. There was a tweet that he put yeah. out with, like, like 40-some minutes before he ended up signing with Philly. He's like, oh, I'm here to stay at Laker Nation, this and that and the other thing. And all of a sudden, he signs with Philly. What was up with that? Yeah, so uh, – he told them he wanted to come back. The Lake Show agreed in principle that, okay, we want to bring you back. And they were exchanging contracts. But in the midst of that, Montrez Harold became available. And Montrez gave them word that he would really be interested in coming there. That's allegedly, that's not something the Lake Show had on their radar, or at least it wasn't too high on their radar. But once Trez said, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind coming there that kind of trumped uh, bringing back Dwight, and it kind of left Dwight hanging, waiting on the official uh, word for, yes, let's agree. Go ahead. Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, more so just waiting on, is this a deal or not? And it kind of left Dwight hanging for about an hour, and they went and got the Trez deal done. And by the time they got the Trez deal done, Dwight had already moved on and signed the Phillies. So, yeah, in principle, he was supposed to come back. But once Montrez Howell became available, that became a higher priority, and Dwight kind of got pushed to the back burner. Um, As far as the Lakers' defense, Wes Matthews can play defense. Uh, Wes Matthews can play D. So not only is he a great shooter and a better shooter at this point than Danny Green or probably even Avery Bradley and Rondo, you know, he brings defense as well. Schroeder's kind of iffy on defense. He's not the greatest defender, but he's not trash either. So you'll you'll take the you'll take the, the trade off of him being a bucket more so being than being a lockdown guy that can give you a little bit of production offensively like 
a Bradley or a point guard, Rajon Rondo. So you take the trade off there defensively there, but I don't think West Matthews, West Matthews is going to fit very well into the Lakers' defensive scheme. Uh, Marcus Gasol, I think Marcus Gasol got a lot left because he's not going to be expected to do too much more than be a big body and play defense. Are they going to need him? You know, against certain teams, no. But that's what happened with JaVale and Dwight. They didn't need JaVale or Dwight in the finals. But they needed Dwight against the Nuggets because of Jokic. So, you know, it really just depends on matchup. I think, you know, Gasol could play a Jokic well. He could play a Gobert well if you play them. It depends on the matchup. So just having a big that's capable defensively, I think, is the true mark. I don't think you need a you know, lock down Hakeem Olajuwon in his prime or, you know, something like that. I don't think you need that for, for, well, 72 games this year. But I think in terms of if you come across a team with a big in the playoffs, do you have someone who is competent defensively? And I think Marcus all fits that role. Again, Sam Dusenberry Jr., our guest here on the program today. Let's go back to the phone lines, 337-269-1077. Our good friend Josh is with us. What's up, Josh? Man, so... So do y'all think that two, – two questions for y'all. First one is, do you see either of the six men of the year guys in Schroeder and Harold starting at all? Or do you – I mean, what do you – how do you see that starting five looking for the, the Lakers? I don't know if that's what you, you just discussed because I called the very end of it. And then the second, the second part was is, you know, who do you, who do you see as your starting five for the Pelicans? And do you see the Pelicans making any more moves – before season start, and do you see Bledsoe remaining on the roster? And I just wanted to know what y'all thought about that. Oof, okay, so let me start with the Pels. This is, that one's easy. Me and G have talked. I think we talked about it last week. Or at yeah. least I know. I know for sure. I talked about it on the podcast. So I think we talked about it last week. If if everything stands firm, I'm going for Lonzo at the point, Bledsoe at the two. And then I'm going to go with uh, Young Reaper at the three, Zion mm-hmm. at the four, and then Steve Adams yeah, at the five. I five. think it's a very easy lineup now that they got George Hill out of there. You could have made a case where you might go with Lonzo, George Hill, or George Hill and Bledsoe. You could have made a case for that. But now that George Hill is gone, I think if you're the Pels and you're Stan Van, I would go Lonzo and Bledsoe, and then assuming Young Reaper is back, have him in the mix and then go with Zion at the four, which should be his natural position, and then Steven Adams at the five. Uh, as far as the Lakers show, yeah. go ahead, Josh. My, my, my bad. Oh, real, real, question, real question. Is that a playoff team to you? Is that a, a seven or an eight seed? Uh, yeah, I told you they, they should be in that, in that six, six, seven range, maybe even five if they get hot. I, but I would think more in that six, seven range. I think that that lineup, Steven Adams, makes that much of a difference because – Someone's got to hit boards, and Zion, for all his jumping ability, is only 6'6". They need a true big. Even though in today's NBA we like to diminish the role of the big man, you still need someone at least 6'9 and up who can go grab you some rebounds and be a rim uh, protector. And I think Steven Adams checks all those boxes. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of broken collarbones 
and busted <laughs> up shoulders with all the picks, all the picks <laughs> that Adam and Zion are going to make. But uh, to, so to, so the, to the Laker question, I mean, who, who do you see as a starting five? I mean, do you see either Schroeder or Harold getting in the start? Like, I mean, if I if it was me, I would. I mean, I know they've been six men, but I've always thought that there was a problem, in my opinion, of just because somebody was a good sixth man on a roster doesn't mean they can't be a viable starter. I mean, to me, they, they that means they're literally on the – the cusp of being a starter, and I would assume they could be. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah, the the Laker thing is a little more tro- it's, it's a little more weird to figure out, right? Because for the most part, you had LeBron and Avery Bradley starting the majority of the season. So now with Avery Bradley gone, does that mean Schroeder's going to replace him? You know, do you go West Matthews? Like both of them have been coming off the bench over the last, you know, couple of years of their career. So, you know, you could make a case for Schroeder and LeBron. I don't know if you would want to waste his points with the starting lineup. I think a guy like West Matthews might fit a little bit more. You know, he fits more of the Danny Green, Avery Bradley role to me, more so than a Schroeder. But that'll be interesting to, to figure out, you know, uh, Vogel's got pieces to play with, and with KCP's contract, you know he's starting, so he's probably the three. So you could go LeBron, Schroeder, KCP, AD, and then at big, who do you want? Like, do you Gasol? want Gasol? Gasol at this point in his career, does he start? Probably. Harold, you know, is accustomed to coming off the bench. So I don't know if is he now ready for starters minutes. I we haven't seen it in the league, so we don't know what. Trez starting at the five for the majority of the season looks like it hasn't happened. But hasn't so, Montrez you know, hasn't Montrez played a majority of the minutes? Even though he hasn't started, he still correct. played big minutes, right? So he he could probably handle right. it. He could, I, I mean, but starting is the thing, right? Like Trez can be a guy at times that can get into foul trouble. You can't do that if you're a starting five. You can't just start a game off and get two quick ones in the first quarter. And that's probably why that. you start Mark Gasol, because he's a more veteran right. player, a smarter player, and a guy who can Correct. play in that JaVel or Dwight role where he's just there to really play defense. He can extend the paint a little bit and hit a couple of threes if you need him to, which is, is an interesting dynamic to add to that Lakers mix. And that's why when, when you bring in a Gasol, you have him and you start him and let him get the first six, seven minutes, and then you let Trez come in and do mm-hmm. what he does. Yeah. And then you kind of rotate him back and forth just off field. You know, whenever Trez is, you know, not being effective, then, okay, let's bring Mark out here and switch things up a little bit. So it's all about you want to have the option. You know, Javel was great over the last two years because he just played his role. He got very diminished in the bubble. I don't know what was going on with him in terms of, I know he's battling some injuries and things like that, but he just didn't look the same in the bubble. So maybe the Lakers know something we don't in terms of what he has left or how much of it still exists. Uh, But, you know, Gasol, to me, I think is competent enough to go in there and give you 20 to 25 minutes a night for the majority of a 72-game season. So, yeah, I would start him if I was Vogel. But I, I can't understand I can understand if they are enamored by trying to give Trez that run just to see what he could look like as a starting five. But then again, remember he's six eight, six nine, he's the same size as LeBron. Yeah. So I mean, you know, Anthony Davis towers over him. You could do a thing where you go small and have A D at the five and Trez at the four. I mean, you could do a lot of things. The 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 key with the Lakers is interchangeable parts. You know, maybe Caruso gets elevated. Who knows? Maybe Caruso Based off how he performed in the playoffs, 
maybe he gets some some run to potentially run with the starting lineup. I mean, who knows? So, but that that's going to be on Vogel. But the key is Shooter's an upgrade. Wes Matthews is an upgrade. You don't have to worry about Danny Green anymore. You don't have to worry about what Javel has left. The Lake Show have found a way to upgrade their bench and their role plays without giving up anything. So we got to give Rob Polinka some credit. I know he, he's not highly thought of in terms of his acumen because of Rich Paul and LeBron and Clutch, but what he's been able to do salary cap-wise and contract-wise in structuring these deals has been flawless. He finished seventh in the executive of the year balloting last year. I think he should be way higher than that, and he's on a rampage to prove all the blue check boys wrong. Sam Dusenberry Jr. again, our guest here on the program today and on ESPN 1420. Uh, you, you mentioned Alex Caruso, and that's somebody I wanted to bring up also. If you wanted to have LeBron handle the ball, do you feel comfortable enough to have Alex Caruso handling the ball from time to time as well? Because you know LeBron loves Alex Caruso. Yeah, Caruso can definitely give you something. You know, they have with with Caruso, Schroeder, and Wes Matthews. And then let's not forget the young in THT, who, who gave us that one game in the Western Conference Finals where, where but he really showed you something. He might be a guy that could be in a rotation, and we, we might not even know that until next month when, when he's up playing. So THT is a guy that could be in the mix as well. But yeah, it's only LeBron, 19. Loves him some Caruso. He gives you a lot of ball handling. Uh, obviously, we know him with the moxie and, 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 you know, the ferocity. And he plays with effort. And LeBron will always like guys who try hard and play with effort because he does the same. So, yeah, Caruso is also a guy to look for in that rotation. All right, here's my last one for you, Sam, before we let you go. See, moves that were made in free agency thus far that you're really not a fan of that don't really make sense to you, whether it be fit, whether it be money, whether it be whatever it is. Why is Austin Rivers a Nick? Oh, dude, who cares? I mean, the Knicks are. I don't even Why know. I, I don't even know what the Knicks are doing. All right, I'm just saying. I mean, you actually for bad moves. I just don't. I don't. Oh well, I mean, every moves. it seems like every move that they make at this point, they they shed a bunch of guys. They got a bunch of salary cap, and they're signing a guy like Austin Rivers, Alec Burks. I, I t- they get bring back Alfred Payton. I love Alfred because he's a UL guy, but I I don't know what they're doing. Okay, so if, if if you don't want to go there, let's let's avoid the Knicks. They're about, just bad. Okay, so if if you want to go to Golden State, they lost Clay Thompson. They had a chance to draft Lamelo. They didn't do it. They passed on who they feel is the better player and who could be arguably the better player in Weissman over Lamelo. What have they done since then to replace Clay? All I see is Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore. So you're telling me your second best player just crumples to the floor with another horrific leg injury. You don't answer that in the draft when you had a chance. You don't make a deal with the number two pick to maybe, you know, offset that. Hello, Bradley Beal. But no, you take Weissman. You don't make any significant trades. Your upgrade to fill in the hole left by Clay Thompson, Kent Bazemore. So, I mean, to me, you know, Bob Myers likes to pat himself on the back of how the Warriors revolutionized basketball. I don't know that much about that when you're telling me you revolutionized the game of basketball, but you lose Clay and you're coming back at me with some Kent Bazemore to fill in for that. I know they got Wiggins. 
I know Steve Kerr thinks he can wave some uh, Warrior Championship pixie dust on Andrew Wiggins, and all of a sudden he's going to become a, a role player, but that's not who Andrew Wiggins is. Uh, so, you know, I think the Warriors dropped the ball here. I would have took LaMelo in that spot at two, especially with no clay. I understood why they didn't. But to me, if you're still trying to win now, because the Warriors are still trying to act like they're a championship contender, which I don't think they are. I think that window is closed. But if you're trying to create the illusion that you could still win a championship, I don't know how you do that with a three-point oriented system and you go draft a 7-1 beast at center who may not know how to score in this league for the first couple of years. So to me, you could have got LaMelo, who could have been a bootleg clay while clay rehabs if he can even come back to be a shell of his former self. And you can have LaMelo and Steph out there and do some splash cousin stuff and have LaMelo chucking it from the logo like Steph does because they both got that kind of range. So I think it's very shaky what the Warriors are trying to lean and depend on here. Steph is another year older. Draymond's another year older. This is who they're depending on. So while Weissman is a sexy move and a big name, they didn't fill a need. They had a need at two guard the minute Clay went down, and they still have yet to address it unless you're high on the Under Armour god, Kent Bazemore. Hmm. Interesting take there uh, for the Warriors. Yeah, they haven't really done much to replace uh, replace Clay Thompson, and it just seems like they're going to lean on their unanimous MVP in Steph Curry, who, oh. by the way, is coming back from an injury himself. Yeah, he, he should never got that second MVP, and he's a fraudulent MVP in, in the, in, on that first one, too. Uh, but, yeah, look, they're asking a lot from Steph, and this is Steph coming off the injury, and this is Steph that's in his 30s. This isn't 20, 2016 Steph. This isn't 2015, 2014 Steph when Mark Jackson was saying him and Clay are the best backcourt, they shouldn't be backcourt of all time. That was, you know, five, six years ago. You can't expect him to still be able to play like that. With all the playoff runs, with all the finals appearances, all those minutes, all those games, all those injuries, knickknack and otherwise, between them, you can't expect Steph to go out here and drop 35 every night. When A. Wiggins goes out there and is A. Wiggins, which is the under underperforming star, when he goes out there and puts up 19 on, you know, 7 of 24 shooting, what do you expect Steph to do besides what Steph always does? He can't give you more. He's not going to get better. He's peaked. Same Warriors news. are in trouble, G. That window's closed, and yeah. they're trying to crowbar it open with some James Weissman. Yeah. And, and as much as I love Weissman, I, 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 can't, I can't co-sign. They're trying to change things up a little bit there from what they had done that had been so successful, and they think, oh, wave Steph back. Well, Draymond's still here, and, you know, he – maybe a little fraudulent himself as well as being this big-time passing, big-time player because we saw without the other pieces, what is Draymond? Just a habitual nut hitter. Bro, that whole run is fraudulent. You know, if if Kevin Love and Kyrie don't get hurt for that first chip, what happens? Then they blow the 3-1 lead the next year. Draymond's crying in the parking lot. And then they got to go beg Kevin Durant to come help them to go get two more championships. Yeah. And then they hang KD out to dry, force him to come back when he's not healthy, tears his knee up, Clay is out, and then they go lose to the board man up in Toronto. So their whole dynasty that they're going to be lauded about, Draymond is going to be in the Hall of Fame, unfortunately, 
all that credit is going to go to a, a dynasty, quote unquote, that really could have never existed if it wasn't for a few injuries. Is that uh, is that one on the trash narrative board? Oh, you can find that one on YouTube. Oh, it's that already there. That I have. Oh, it's been there. It's, it's, right. it's chilling there. It's, it's, got, right. it's got some views. So I've had some thoughts on this for a very long time. Very nice. The Warriors were not a dynasty. It is on YouTube on the TheSamD YouTube channel. You can find that there. Or you just go to TheSamD.com and you can find everything. The merch, the the podcast, the, the, the YouTube, all that good stuff. Uh, that's exactly what we've got. Sam Dusenberry Jr., our guest right here on the program, uh, host of the NBA Pick and Pop podcast. Sam, I, I know you just dropped a podcast, I believe it was yesterday, two days ago, uh, this weekend, this past weekend, something like that. Uh, tell me a little bit about the podcast, where can people find it, and uh, when, when do you expect to maybe have another one out? Well, we, we did two podcast episodes last week. We did one the, the day of the draft, a little preview and preview and free agency, and then we did one uh, Saturday morning to kind of <laughs> recap the draft, what did or did not happen, and recapping what's been going on in free agency. So we're getting some good, good feedback on it. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And we're probably going to do one the end of this week, Get, get, get a little Thanksgiving hangover stuff going on and uh, have some conversations there. We're working on getting you on because it's long overdue. Uh, we're going to start to have some conversations with people that I know in the industry, people that I know know the game of basketball. So I want to, you know, chop it up with some people. I wanted to establish the podcast with my voice first. And then once we get the podcast where it needed to be, then bring on the talented people that I know who can do the same and have a really good conversation, yourself included. So we're looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, the podcast is available anywhere. TheSamD.com is where everything audio and visual is is at. And, as always, I appreciate the time, brother. Five stars, nothing less, right? You already know it. Tell a friend. <laughs> That's it, man. Well, hey, look, I look forward to uh, to jumping on the pod with you whenever we can make it work. I'm busy, but, you know, I always make time for you to come on the pod. It's uh, I've been on it a couple of times before it was what it is now, but uh, looking forward to getting on to it when uh, now that it's blown up and, and you're having a lot of success with it, man, I look forward to it. And I always appreciate you taking the time to uh, to jump on the show here uh, with me to spit uh, spit your game and talk your talk, man. It's always, uh, it's always an enjoyment. People like you have helping out people like me is why the game is so great. So I, I do appreciate that, everything you have done for me in my career and always try to you know, reciprocate in any way that I can. So the pleasure is all mine. That's what it's all about, my man. Be good. Have a good rest of the week and uh, enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday. You got anything, any big plans for what you're doing? Well, as someone that's plant-based, I can't, I can't tell you I'm oh. looking forward to turkey. Tofu uh, but turkey. Yeah. You know, always, always looking forward to uh, hang with the family, you know, try to be as socially distant as possible, not trying to go get no one sick or get myself sick. So, you know, we're, we're trying to be very careful. Uh, but yeah, be more of a Zoom thing. But I may stop by one house and just check in with you know the family, make sure everyone's good, but not make it a prolonged visit. But uh, we're gonna try to be very careful this Thanksgiving. I hope others do the same because numbers are rising. Yeah, they certainly are, man. Stay safe. Uh, have a good uh, Thanksgiving. All the best to you and the Dusenberry clan as it is, my friend. Be good and uh, enjoy the, the the Thanksgiving holiday. Sounds good, brother. Same to you and yours. Appreciate it. There he goes, Sam Dusenberry Jr. here on Beyond the Game. Hour number one in the books. We take a quick break. We come right back. Hour number two begins after this.